Spoilers. Spoilers. Spoiler season with us. New cards. Welcome to episode 11 of Spoiler Season. So today we have 24 new cards that we're going to be talking about, but before we get to that, uh, we have two special guests with us. Would you guys like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, uh, I'm Tanya. I work with Katie. Uh, I am new to Magic. I've been playing for about three months. And I'm Amy. I'm new to Magic as well, and I've also been playing for about three months. Excellent. So Tanya and Amy are each going to introduce one of the new cards talked about today and uh, give us their take on it. So who'd like to go first? Oh man, okay, I'll go first. Um, so I was really excited about this card, uh, Oyiva Pashiri, the Sage Life Crafter. It's a legendary creature, a human artificer. Should I read the card? Just yeah, go ahead. Okay, cool. So for two green mana and flip, uh, you create a 1-1 one, one colorless servo artifact creature token. And for four green mana flip, you create an XX colorless construct artifact creature token where X is the number of creatures you control. And I like that it's a one drop to get out, and it's a, but it's only a one, two, one attack and mm -hmm. two. Not defense, it's toughness. Toughness. Yep. <laughs> so green for um, a one, two. Yeah, but I really liked the effect of making a bunch of one, one creature tokens and then getting to make a really big creature. Does this fit with the strategy you usually tend to play? My strategy is usually <laughs> kill with lots of creatures um, of various uh, creature types. So I'm, I'm trying to develop a more nuanced strategy, but in the meantime, this this card is really good for what I like to do. It's nice to have a bunch of things that can all attack at once. Definitely. So definitely. <laughs> okay, and uh, Amy also has a card that she's going to talk about. All right, this one is Captured by the Consulate. This is an enchantment. And it says, so you enchant a creature that you don't control. This enchanted creature can't attack, and whenever an opponent casts a spell, if it has a single target, you change the target to enchanted creature, if able. So I like this a lot because you're sort of forcing your opponent to, uh, so you're, you're capturing one of theirs, and it can't attack, and you're just kind of screwing them over because then, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> So you have a little bit of a control player heart. I, I, I do. Yes. I like playing. I like playing white. I like playing blue white. I, I definitely like to screw opponents over. I, I'm not as much a fan of the straight up attacks. That's <laughs> nice. I know Tanya is. So we have the two ends of the spectrum. We have the control player and we have the mid range player. So that uh, that's, that's good. Who usually wins when you guys play? Oh God. <laughs> depends on the depends, deck. Yeah, it depends on the yeah. deck. Amy made a really good deck that's beating me every time. So. Okay. The um, the red one. So I guess not control the red green. Red green mm -hmm. werewolf deck is a really is a really good yeah. for the attacking. Um, but we also have a really good um blue white spirit deck with flying. Yeah, that um, one's good too. To get played against each other, those are pretty. Those are pretty great. Sweet. Well, thank you guys for coming on and uh, introducing these cards. Katie and I are going to talk a little bit more in depth about the other 24 of them. So uh, thanks again, and hopefully you'll be back, and we look forward to uh, going to the pre-release with you guys. Excellent. Can't wait. Okay, so we're going to start off by giving, doing a little bit more in-depth review of the two cards that Amy and Tanya reviewed for us initially. Uh, so thank you again for doing that. Um, our first card is Ovia Pashiri, Sage Life Crafter. Green for a 1-2. Green 2, tap. Create a 1-1 colorless servo artifact creature token. Green 4, tap. Create an XX colorless construct artifact creature token, where X is the number of creatures you control. What do you think? Yeah, so in Limited, I think this is great. It comes down early, and 
it's a great thing to do in the late game. You probably have a board clog. Maybe you can't quite get through. It's like a board stall between you and your opponent. And every turn, you get to pump out a big guy. So I think this is great and limited in the late game. And in the early game, if you don't have anything to do, you know, at the worst, you could make a creature every turn. So I like this a lot in limited. In constructed, I think three mana to make a 1-1 or five to make a vanilla creature is just too much. I agree. I think that in limited, it's a bomb. Um, because it, if it lives for a turn, then you get to start just churning out value. Uh, it's fine in the late game as well, especially if you're in a board stall and have a lot of creatures. Um, and if they kill it with the removal spell, I'm totally fine with that, because I'm trading one mana for presumably m more than one mana from them. Um, and in Constructed, yeah, this is just, like, bad. Uh, the only deck that this could have an argument for seeing play in is Humans, but, uh, and that's because it is a human, but I don't think it's good enough. This is competing mostly with Thraben Inspector, and uh, it's close, it's close. But the fact that this is legendary makes it so that you don't really want to run four, and uh, I think that you probably have better things to do with your mana. Like, it's a, Humans is such an aggressive deck, I don't think you want to be taking a turn to go pay three mana and make a 1-1. One, one. So, I yeah, I don't love this in Construct. Agreed. So the other card that our guests introduced for us was Captured by the Consulate, which was the white three enchantment, which enchants target creature you don't control. Uh, enchanted creature can't attack whenever an opponent casts a spell. If it has a single char target, change the target to enchanted creature if able. Yeah, so uh, this card, I think, in limited is good, but in constructed, not so much. In limited, this is good because it's basically a four mana pacifism, and in Constructed, uh, this is just a really bad spell overall. Like, it's too expensive. <laughs> um, it's not really even a removal spell. The thing can still block. And I don't think the, like, redirection is good enough. Like, it's only good against decks running a lot of spot removal. Um, and I, I think you just have better options, frankly. Agreed. Okay. So, we have 23 cards remaining. So, what we're going to do... We're gonna do this, uh, you know, a lot of these are, are not really meant for constructed play. So we're gonna go through them as quickly as we can, efficiently as we can. Our first card up is Metalwork Colossus. Metalwork Colossus is 11 mana for a 10-10. Metalwork Colossus costs X less to cast, where X is the total converted mana cost of non-creature artifacts you control. And you can sack two artifacts to return it from the graveyard to your hand. What do you think? I don't like it. One thing is, so it's nice that you can recur it, right? So if it dies, you can get it back, but it comes back to your hand, so you have to cast it again, and it gets more expensive to cast because you're sacking artifacts to get it back. It's also, it just doesn't do, it comes down, doesn't do anything, dies, doesn't do anything, has no evasion, no trample, no nothing. This is not a good card. Yeah. Moving on. We have a thing that makes me really sad. We have Counterspell. <laughs> and this counterspell is called Disappearing Act. It's blue-blue one instant. As an additional cost to cast it, uh, return a permanent you control to its owner's hand. Counter target spell. If this is the counterspell for the set, I am sad. Because this is almost always just cancel with downside. Like, sure, there are scenarios where you want to return a permanent you control to its hand, like a Gear Hulk. But overall, this is just really bad. Counterspells, especially ones that are playable in control decks, need to be good early, mid-game, and late. This is awful early. I do not want to take turn three, 
to cast it and return a land to my hand. That's terrible. So this card, at like its very best, you're playing this in some kind of a mid-range deck uh, and returning a Gear Hulk. Otherwise, not good. Yep. I hope Control gets something better. I don't mind. I don't play Control. <sighs> Next, we have Perpetual Timepiece, two mana. Artifact, put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard if you tap it. And you can pay two and exile it and shuffle any number of target cards from your graveyard into your library. Thoughts? So the only place I see this going in standard is helping with Delirium. But we already have a lot of cards that help with Delirium and put cards in your graveyard. And they, they do more than this. This this is pretty worthless to spend a card on. I would say this is not constructed playable. And I don't really see it being helpful in um, limited either. Yeah, I like the the point you made. Like you for emerge or delirium, you have better strategies that don't put you down a card. So I just play those. The one place I could see this is in modern dredge, uh, maybe out of the sideboard. Uh, I I don't think it's better than what they're doing in the main board. I'm a hundred percent sure. I don't play dredge. I played against it a couple of times. But the ability to you know mill yourself as much as you want and not have to worry about running out of counters like with treecorn, though games don't usually go long enough for that to be relevant. Um, and it's nice because you can actually shuffle back into your library things like Nargomibas that you had a discard, or uh, the sideboard hate cards they bring in, destroy an enchantment artifact uh, that's in your graveyard, some of them running like natural state, you can shuffle that back in and hope to draw it. So there's a couple of uses for this card in Dredge. Yeah, next up is Prophetic Prism, apparently a reprint. Yeah, this is reprint. a two-cost artifact. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. You can pay one and tap it to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So, I like it. it uh, I like it because this is a card that I'm going to come back to uh, at the end of the podcast when we're spoiling one of the last cards that were spoiled today. Um, this is one of the pieces of the potential eggs deck. And it's just like, it's fine fixing. Like, this and Terrarian are, like, fine. You know, like, once you have this out, it really helps with fixing a lot, and it replaces itself, so that's nice. Basically, are you willing to spend two mana for that? In most standard decks, no. But I, I think the real reason to keep your eye on this is for eggs. Yep. And Unlimited, it might be fine, especially if you're being greedy and you might splash a third color for that super cool rare you got. Yeah, if you're splashing a third color, this is a shoe-in. Yeah. Next up is Torch Gauntlet. This is a two-cost artifact equipment. Equip creature gets plus two plus zero, and it costs two to equip. I think that this is fine and limited. I think I would play it in a decent number of my decks, especially if I'm looking to kind of fill up some, some non-creature slots. It's good in aggro, it's good with flyers, it's good with stuff with trample or other kinds of evasion menace. This is a, a card that I kind of like. It's not as good as Bone Splitter, and the fact that it doesn't pump toughness at all makes me a little sad, but I think that uh, this is still a pretty decent card. Yeah, I, I don't love it. I, I don't like that it doesn't pump toughness, and usually there's just something I would rather put in than an equipment, like unless it's a, a pretty good equipment. So I'm not even really excited for this in Limited, but... I, I do like your points about putting it on a flyer or a menace or a or in a hasty deck. Yeah, this on a uh, what's it called? A thopter would just be really good. Oh yeah. This on a even on a servo, I like it. Uh, this makes like That's if you true. fabricate and then you're like, okay, I have two servos. I'm going to equip it to the first servo, swing for three. Oh, you blocked it? All right, I'll move it to the second servo, swing for three. Oh, you blocked it? Okay, I'll move it to the zero three that made the servo in the first place. Swing at that. <laughs> Um, I, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I think it's fine. I do think two to equip might matter. Like, early yeah. game, you're probably not going to be moving it around much, so actually maybe it doesn't fit in aggro because you're probably playing small creatures, not playing one creature. I don't know. It's a decent mana sink. Yeah, 
Anyways, we'll see. You can pick it up, put in your limited decks or not. Next up is Brazen Scourge. This is Red Red 1 for a 3-3 three, three haste. So. Gremlin. What's that? What's the, what does the sound the gremlins make? <laughs> oh, nice. We got another, another gremlin sound out of Katie. So, Bookmark that, guys. Bookmark that. So this definitely goes in your aggressive limited deck. And I think it could be standard playable. I think 3-3 three, three are good stats. The fact that it's hasty is super important. But um, you are playing this in a primarily red deck because the red-red mana requirement on turn 3 is pretty hefty. And you really do want to be playing this on turn 3. Definitely. Um, this, you know, if we find that the aggro deck is missing a little bit of something in the 3-drop slot... I think this might go in. You know, it doesn't have, like, Trample, or it doesn't have the ability to pump itself or anything like that, but it's hasty, three mana, and, like, the fact that it has three toughness means that it won't die to a Sylvan Advocate. Um, and a lot of times we see aggressive creatures that don't have very much toughness, and this is not uh, in that category, which is, is really nice for those kinds of decks. Definitely. Our next card is Demolish. Red three for a sorcery. Destroy target artifact or land. Yeah, this is a reprint. Uh, it gets reprinted a decent amount. Um, this time in this set, it has more utility because artifacts are a thing. I still don't like running this in the main board. Um, I think that you're, it's just there's not going to be enough artifacts to hit in most decks. I think post-board, you bring this in if your opponent is really heavy into vehicles or artifact creatures. Um, otherwise, meh. You know, it's a demolish. Four mana is just a lot for that ability. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Our next card is called Creative Spark. Red Sorcery. Choose target creature. Exile the top card of your library. You may have Creative Spark. Deal damage to that creature equal to the converted mana cost of the exiled card. And if you don't, you may play that card until end of turn. Yeah, so I'm always suspicious of these cards where you don't really know what you're getting. You're paying one mana, and you don't know if you're getting a burn spell or if you're drawing a card that you could maybe play that turn. But if you can't play it that turn, then you don't get the card. Yeah, so this sort of randomness that red does, it just makes cards, I think, a little bit harder to evaluate and be excited about in your deck. That's interesting. To me, this card is a cantrip with the possible upside of instead, you know, killing a creature. Um, I see this as red, draw a card, and if you want, you maybe can blow something up, possibly. Um, so it's, it's kind of like you have to decide whether you would rather just run a removal spell in its spot or just run another kind of cantrip-y card in its spot. Um, but I think that actually if you just ignore the damage part and treat this purely as a cantrip and just choose never to deal the damage to the creature, then it's not bad because this can help you with your uh, storm count given that it's red. It's just like red cantrip. Yeah. I think a few things to take into account are, one, you can play that card until end of turn. So it's like draw a card, but the restriction is you have to have enough mana to also play it, and you have to want to play it at that point in the game right away. Sure, but if you're playing this in a deck that wants to get its storm count up, I don't expect that you're going to have a hard time playing your next card you draw because it'll probably be one or two mana or a land. Okay, sure. Just so make in sure that you play scenario, this before lands. Yes, absolutely. Um, and then the other thing is choose target creature happens before you see the mana cost of your cards. So you can't be like, oh, I got a six mana card. I can burn for six on this big creature that's a problem since I don't yet have six mana to pay for it. But you, you can't change the target creature once you see the revealed card. Yeah, that's that's pretty important. Um, I think generally you'll want to hit the same creature either way. Um, and you can just be like, oh, not going to do it or I will do it or whatever. 
Um, but it's a good point to bring up, and, and that's probably going to get some people at the pre-release. Yeah. Our next card is Cathartic Reunion. So uh, if you haven't seen the art, this is Chandra, who's back home on Kaladesh for the first time in 12 years, and she has found her mother. It's so beautiful. <laughs> so emotional. Um, yeah, her, her mom is not dead. Her dad is. Poor papa. Dad didn't get a very good card. Well, he's dead. Right, but I mean, he got Legacy Lost and his face is on it, so you know it's him, but... I mean, it's it's a marble thing of him. Yeah, which is all that's left. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, this is red one for a sorcery. As an additional cost to cast Cathartic Reunion, discard two cards, draw three cards. So what does this remind you of, Ryan? Usually better tormenting voice is usually better. Um, this card is, <laughs> is really, really good, um, especially in a standard that is completely devoid of counterspells. Um, <laughs> you know, void shatter joke there, uh, Eldrazi joke there. Uh, so yeah, I mean, in a standard that doesn't have any counterspells, you don't have to worry so much about getting blown out because this will lead you to you getting blown out of those counterspells, right? You're basically right. just like discarding your hand and then moving on. And that's a terrible thing to do. Uh, this, you know, I think there are some dredge lists in modern that run Tormenting Voice. Uh, if they do, this just replaces it. I think it's a pretty easy shoe-in to replace Tormenting Voice because uh, it's going to allow you to fill your graveyard faster and find more cards faster. So I, I really like this card a lot. Okay. Do you think this makes a Madness deck playable in Standard? Uh, no, I don't think this makes a Madness deck playable in Standard. Um, two mana, and then discarding two cards and trying to Madness them. Like, best case scenario, you're discarding, like, Alms and Fiery Temper, and you get to go uh, pay four mana for that effect, and you get to draw three more cards off of it. So you're getting the, the triple cantrip there. But, like, this is not really what Madness decks are looking for. What they're looking for is uh, better repeatable uh, discard outlets hmm. um, or cards that are going to pressure your opponent while also providing a discard outlet. Those are the kinds of things that are good in the Madness decks. Right. All right, the next two cards we're going to look at in conjunction. The first is High Spire Artisan, which is green two for a zero three elf artificer. It has reach and fabricate one. And the second card we'll look at is black two for a zero one fabricate two. I really like this design. I like Wizards' take on uh, vanilla creatures and being like, you know what? We have this mechanic which makes counters or servos. So instead of just printing like three mana two threes or three mana one fours with reach for limited, instead we get to give uh, a little more flexibility to these cards. We get to give players some more options. And at the same time, we play into the synergy of the set by uh, creating artifacts for Artifacts Matters cards, uh, whether they care about numbers or ETBs. So I really like these. I like both of them. They're both fine. You definitely want them in cards in decks that care about artifacts. Uh, and I, yeah, I would, I would use these pretty highly in those. Like if you're when you're, because these are probably gonna go around the table a little bit. And once you know, like, oh, I'm in a deck that has creatures, even if it's one or two creatures that has like when an artifact enters the battlefield, do something. Um, I would pick this because uh, it's just a free way to kind of get those triggers and have some attackers or some chump blockers. So it's nice. And the, you know, the three mana, one four spider is always a good card in limited. It yeah. blocks flyers, which is important for green to do. Right. Green always struggles with the flyers because it doesn't have any flyers itself. So reach creatures are super important, and I love to see that. And you have the option to put a little bit of power on it so that you could kill something in the air or just put another body down. Definitely. I um, like the black fabricate two, actually. I don't think we've seen a ton of fabricate two, but if you do have things that care about ETBs, this is 
three ETB. I mean, three creature ETBs, two, two artifact, artifact ETBs. ETBs. Yeah, which is really nice. Um, yeah. For our next two cards, which are Weldfast Wingsmith, which is blue three for a three three artifact. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it gains flying till end of turn. And Reckless Fireweaver, which is red one for a one three. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, it deals one damage to each opponent. Both of these, so the, the Wingsmith is okay by itself. I don't love it. Like, blue doesn't really want a 3-3, just vanilla. But once you can get the triggers on this, once you can get a few Fabricate guys or a few artifacts, this becomes really good because then you're able to give it flying somewhat consistently and your opponent has to play around it, which, like, can cause them to do really awkward things to play around it. And if they don't play around it, then you can just kill them. So I like that card. And the Reckless Fireweaver is fine. Uh, it is a 2-mana 1-3, so... Playing this on turn two means uh, two things. It means one, that you'll get to see, or it will get to see uh, almost every artifact that comes in during the game, mm -hmm. um, if it doesn't die. And then also it can block a lot of early plays. Three toughness is a decent number. Uh, it's going to block most, you know, two drops with two power. Yeah. One potentially notable thing is the Fabricate 2 does stack for the Fireweaver, right? It does each artifact that enters will deal one damage to the opponent, but the Wingsmith once that is flying, it still has flying. So not super exciting to do Fabricate 2 there, but any way that you're creating artifacts is important. Yeah, and in Two-Headed Giant, you get two pings, right? So you get to deal two damage. And right. Fabricate 2 deals four damage, which is pretty cool. Looking, looking really good. Our next card is Refurbish, which is white three sorcery. Return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. This could see standard play. This is going to depend a lot on whether we see a reanimator shell. The tricky thing is... You're going to need to get the stuff into the graveyard. And uh, Gather the Pack is rotating, but we do have some cards still that the Emerge decks are using to kind of fill up the graveyard and not lose card advantage off of it. So it remains to be seen whether a Gear Hulk reanimator type shell, maybe you put in Ever After, maybe you don't, um, is better than just, you know, doing the graveyard thing to get an Emrakul instead. Uh, or, you know, Emrakul and Ishkanaan instead. But it's a card to definitely keep in mind because four mana for potentially a much larger threat uh, could be good. Especially, you know, if they release, we haven't seen all the cards, a really big artifact with a great ETB other than the Gear Hulks. Uh, I was going to say, I new. eat all the Gear Hulks. Yeah, I mean, the Gear Hulks, so, like, they're really good, but I'm looking for something better. Like, four mana for a six mana Gear Hulk is great. But it's awkward because I'm paying, I'm, I'm doing stuff in the early turns where I'm not really adding to the board, right? I'm probably trying to fill my graveyard. So right. if I'm paying four mana to bring back Gear Hulk, it's probably the only thing I have. And it's probably not, like, it's not so much better than a six mana Gear Hulk. What I'm looking for is, like, Elish Norn. is like, a, a seven drop or an eight drop that, like, wins you the game when it comes down. Right. And and the Gear Hulks don't quite do that. But, I mean, they're, they're awesome. Yeah, They don't yeah. quite do that. But I think you have a good point is you might think of it as, oh, four mana for a 6-6 six, six artifact. That sounds great. But it's it's actually you're building your deck around putting stuff in your graveyard and having enough artifacts. And and it's sort of more than four mana to get that Gear Hulk back. Yeah, a little awkward, but we'll see if a shell emerges uh, for it. Mm -hmm. Next up, we have Nimble Innovator, which is blue three for a 2-2. Two, two. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. We've seen this design, this is a functional reprint of a bunch of other cards that we've seen in recent limited sets. Uh, this card is very okay. Um, it's, you know, four mana for 2-2 is like not something to be excited about, but it cantrips, so that's cool. 
um, which makes this a pretty mediocre card. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not picking this super highly, but it's fine-ish. Yeah. Um, I also really like the art on this card. I haven't seen the Vidalkin before this set, and they're just like this really pretty blue race of people, yeah, and I there's think... other artifacts in the in the art. It's it's really nice. I think the last time we saw him was in Meriden, uh, I believe, and you were not playing at the time, correct? Right. Okay. Um, next up, we have Ambitious Etherborn, Black 4 for a 4-3 with Fabricate 1. Again, this is another one of the uh, cards where they could have just given us a vanilla 5-4 for 5, but instead tacked on the flexibility of Fabricate. I really like the ability to trade power and toughness for extra 1-1 bodies. I think it's really cool, and it turns what would otherwise be a pretty boring card into something that actually is interesting, can provide some interesting gameplay. Yeah, I think it's always... Maybe not always, but it's really nice to give players choice and flexibility. So if you want to play at a higher level, this does add just a little bit more thought and strategy to what would otherwise be a very straightforward creature. Yep. The only downside I can think about this card over like a 5-4 for 5 would be that you can respond to the Fabricate trigger by casting like pseudo lightning strike on it and kill it. Uh, and then you, you don't, there's no way you get a 5-4, right? Um so that's like the kind of one corner case where it's not as good, but I think the 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 good way by far outweighs the bad. Sounds like it. Our next card is Aviary Mechanic. This is white one for a 2-2 Dwarf Artificer. When Aviary Mechanic enters the battlefield, you may return another permanent you control to its owner's hand. Uh, it's a bear. Uh, it's, it's a dwarf bear. A dwarf bear, white one for a 2-2. So bears are okay in limited, and I like it more in limited because of its ability, and we've seen a ton of ETBs and a ton of cards that care about ETBs, so I, I like this a lot in limited. I think this is something that uh, is going to be pretty playable. Yeah, I, I totally agree about limited. Um, I'm still curious to see if or how a dwarf vehicles deck might shape up in standard if there was one if there were more dwarves with good etbs or more vehicles with good etbs then i might be more excited to play this because this allows you to re-trigger your end to the battlefield effects and i mean two for two two is it's like very okay but you know if the dwarf tribal matters it it could matter yeah um this if it had flash and was like a white mean lion I'd play it. It'd be super good. Hmm. Um, but in Constructed, I think you probably have better options uh, if you're just looking for, like, the 2-2 with the kind of blinkish bounce effect um, to re-trigger the ETBs. Uh, and I think that so far we have not seen enough support for dwarves, uh, dwarf tribal, um, unless we get a whole bunch of pieces in the rest of the set in the next couple of days. Uh, I, I am not too optimistic about that, which could change in Ether Revolt, but so far really all we have for dwarf matters is Dipala. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe the dwarves lead the revolt. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> it could be. It could be. I haven't read today's story yet, so I, I don't know. Uh, our next card is Restoration Gearsmith. This is yeah. Black White 2 for a 3-3 human artificer. When Restoration Gearsmith enters the battlefield, return target artifact or creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So I think this is uh, really good in limited. I think that um, I wouldn't pick this like really early if I don't know that I'm in white or black. I wouldn't be like, oh, this card is a reason to go into those colors together. 
But if I'm in one of them and I can like, I think I'm gonna be able to afford to splash the other, I would probably do it. This card is like four for three three is totally fine. And then it's just it's just pure value, which is sweet. You're gonna get either a creature or an artifact. You will probably usually take the creature, but you know, it's awesome. Our next card is Era of Innovation. This is one blue enchantment. Whenever an artifact or creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay one. If you do, get two energy. You can pay six energy and sacrifice it to draw three cards. Wow, this is interesting. You, this is good. You get, so I don't even care so much about the first part. This is two mana, draw three, if you have the energy. Right. That's impressive. It is This impressive. is a payoff card um, to me. So I and so to, this card, as we're doing the podcast, this card just came out. So this is we haven't really thought about this card at all because we just saw it now. Um, but this, so this is kind of off the top of my head. Um, to me, you, uh, in a control deck which is producing energy but doesn't have a lot of outlets for it, this is the outlet for control decks. Two mana draw three is sweet, so sweet. And in an, even in an eggs deck, like if you're going for the really cheap artifacts and you're playing a bunch of cheap artifacts, the ability to, oh, you get two energy off of the one mana. Two yeah. energy is great. Yeah. You play three cheap egg artifacts. If you have an extra three mana up, you get the energy and sack it and immediately get these three cards. Yeah. I think you do want to try to make sure you can use this without the first clause because otherwise this becomes, uh, if like if you have no way to get energy whatsoever... This becomes five mana, draw three cards, which is significantly worse, right? It may, it's better because it's an installment, so you can kind of spread it out over several turns. But I'm looking to use this and abuse this for just pay two, draw three. Yeah, to me I'd that's say, the really exciting thing about this card. Right, and and I know you said it's like five mana if you have no other energy sources. It's like sure. five mana, draw three cards, but. Paying it installments is expensive because you have to be able to play another artifact or creature and still play the one mana. Yeah. So you're not playing on curve. It requires some work. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a, If you can get, you know, maybe you use this once, then it's an okay card because then you're like, all right, I already have four energy. I play an artifact, pay another mana, and now I'm paying three to draw three cards, which is still, like, really good. That's pretty good. It's like a better painful choice because you're not taking any damage, but... Uh, but you're also spreading out the mana over multiple turns, and, like, it's nice. Like, you, the ability to pay stuff in installments is almost always better than having to pay it all at once. So I am a fan of this card. Uh, let's get a counterspell. Let's get <laughs> let's get a good energy-based counterspell. You already got your counterspell. Let's go. That's not a counterspell. That is a, it's, it's a sad excuse for I don't even know what. Yeah. All right. So our last four cards are a package I think. Package deal. I'm going to call them a package deal. I'm just going to read them all at once. So we have Chief of the Foundry, three mana for a 2-3. Other artifact creatures you control get plus and plus one. We saw this in Origins. It's a reprint. Foundry Inspector, which is three mana for a 3-2. Artifact spells you cast cost one less to cast. Workshop Assistant, which is three mana for a 1-2. When it dies, return another target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. And Self-Assembler, which is five mana for a 4-4. When it enters the battlefield, you may search your library for an assembly worker creature card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. What do you think? Wow. Okay, so if you were waiting for the Artifacts Matters cards, here they are. Here are your artifact creatures that help you with other artifact creatures. So I, of course, 
I like the Gear Hulks. I like big, dumb creatures. And I see the Foundry Inspector lowering the cost of artifacts. And I'm like, hey, I can play the Gear Hulks. I can play the Sky Sovereign flagship uh, ahead of Curve. I like that. To me, um, so I see Chief of the Foundry. And that is good in a go-wide artifact deck. So this is what you want to be doing in a deck where you get servos and thopters and things like that. Um, we are getting, we have a lot of Anthem effects. We have Always Watching, we have Gideon, we have the Five Mana Angel, we have Chief of the Foundry. Uh, we have a lot of Anthem effects. So a kind of go-wide artifact-based tokens deck with white, that might be worth looking at. Uh, we just, we have a lot of Anthems. Those things can add up. Yeah. Um, but the card that I'm really excited about is Foundry Inspector. Foundry Inspector is the second card that we're going to have in Standard with Herald of Kozilek that will reduce the cost of artifacts, which means we now have eight of these creatures in a deck to lower artifact cost. This is what is in coming very close to enabling eggs. And the ability to take all of these two-mana artifacts, that ETB draw card, cast them for free, build up your storm count, bounce them all to your hand and draw a ton of cards off of the blue three card that does that and then kill your opponent with ether flux reservoir that is looking more and more real uh it needs a little bit more a little bit more to get there but this is uh, on the way and it's strange because like i can't imagine wizards is happy about that that doesn't seem like something they'd want 30 minute turns by one player by themselves isn't what they're looking for. But I, I do think the deck would play out differently in standard than it did in modern. Um, I don't think you'd get 30-minute turns. It seems like it would kill actually pretty quickly because you're looking to cast like nine spells and then just kill them with Reservoir. So uh, it seems like a much faster deck uh, or, or much faster uh, that the turn that you kill your opponent would be much faster than uh, it was in modern. Sure. I don't see a ton of eggs for this deck right now. We talked about earlier today the Prophetic Prism, which is a two-drop, so you'd be able to cast that for free. But do we have enough pieces, or what pieces do we need? Yeah, Terrarian. Oh, yeah. You also have a couple of zero-mana artifacts. You have a Cathar's Shield, and I believe there's another equipment that is a zero-mana artifact as well. Hmm. Uh, and those ones don't cantrip or replace themselves, but that's fine. Like, if you have enough cantrips in the deck, then you can probably get there and take, a, you know, the, the fact that some of them are not going to cantrip for you. All right, so we'll see. Some terrible person will build that. And huh. and will either be uh, terrible or fantastic. <laughs> Workshop Assistant, I think it's just bad. Three mana for a 1-2 is never something I want to do. The effect would have to be fantastic, and this is not. Uh, it has to die before it does anything, and when it does, all it does is return uh, another artifact to your hand. Right, not even, not the, even the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. Not good. And the self-assembler, so this is pretty cool. I think this is super good and limited. Turn five, you play a four-four. Get the other one of these you have because it's a common, so you probably have two. Turn six, you play another four-four. Like this, these are just pretty big, and it's nice to just sort of cantrip right into the next one. I agree. I think that the oh, the the one downside is like five mana for a four-four is actually a pretty decent rate, and even decks that are not interested in chaining these. Uh, or interested in artifacts or interested in assembly workers might just take this. So that even though they're commons, they might be a little bit harder to pick up than you might expect. And right now, we don't have any other assembly workers in the set. So I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing if we get any. The last time we saw assembly workers, it's a very old creature type. Uh, it was, mm. I believe, Mishra's Factory, which could uh, or Workshop or something. I don't know. There's a Mishra land that turned itself into an assembly worker. And there might have been one other card that produced a token or something like it. But yeah. 
So we'll have to see. I do hope we get more assembly workers. I I'd think play this assembly is, worker tribal. Uh, it looks better than dwarves so far. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, that's it for tonight. So thanks for joining us. We have two more real like uh, episodes similar to what we've been doing. Uh, we're going to be look at reviewing the spoilers from Thursday. And then the full set is released on Friday, and we'll probably do highlights. Um, I, I don't think we're going to review every single card um, that they spoil. That podcast would be really, really long. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take uh, another episode to kind of look back over this set and reevaluate some cards based on the context that they now exist in, the fact that we can see the whole set. And then probably the week after the Pro Tour, we're going to see how we did on our predictions. Did the cards that we said were going to be staples actually become staples? Did we bomb all of our predictions and <laughs> we're just completely wrong? So that should be fun as well to take a look back at. Yeah. So that wraps us up for tonight. I'm Ryan. I'm Katie. And this is Spoiler, Spoiler Season. Season.